Hello, you are tuning in to the Prague Mania podcast. I am your host, Ryan Brumlick, and today we have Sean Smith from the progressive metal bands Crater, Erroneous, and Archives. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Hey, Ryan, pretty good. <laughs> How are you doing? Doing good. What have you been working on lately, musically? Musically? Uh, just been playing a lot of drums, mostly. Actually, that's a lie. I barely ever practice. But <laughs> when I do get time to practice, it's mostly on my guitar. You usually practice guitar now more than drums? Uh, like once a week, at least, yeah. And you practice drums zero times a week? Yep, well, except for when I have band practice. So, four times a week? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 All right, yeah, yeah. So, uh, y- you play in a total of like three bands, right? Yep, if you don't include the side project stuff. Oh, okay. So... Your side project, uh, From the Mind of the Heathen, that's mm-hmm. what that is, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And have you been working on any new songs for that at all? Not really. It's been kind of neglected over the last couple of years. Nah, just hard to find the time or what? Yep. Being in three real bands is inhibiting me from progressing my own <laughs> endeavors, you know? Aw, <laughs> oh, man. Just quit it all. Quit it all. Quit it all. More good idea. Have more time. Yeah, you know? dude. Quit everything. Have no job. Live in a box. Yep, that's a goal. You could mine. be a street performer. You I know? could Just bring some bongos out on si- outside and like see how many people throw a dollar or a ham sandwich your way. Yeah, you're man. good. I'm down for working for ham sandwiches. Yeah, it's just as good as a dollar, if not better. Probably you know? better than a dollar. It's a lot better than a dollar. Depends on the quality of the ham. Ham. Create sustenance, you know, sustains your body. You get to live longer. You eat it, you yeah. know, you metabolize it, turn it into energy. And poop. And then you can hit the bongos more because of that ham sandwich. That's true, man. Calories. Calories. They're good things. Burn them. They're, they're good. Burn them. Burn them to the ground. Eat them. Gain them. Gain them. Become fat. Yep. Burn them. Become skinny. Mm-hmm. Too skinny. Watch them. Get fat again. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> okay. So we're going to kick off a music review. Um, so we're going to talk about Archaic's new album, Lucid Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of it compositionally? Compositionally, I thought most of it was pretty well put together. Um, yeah. Some parts were like a little ugly and kind of like confusing, but that's just adds to the brutality of it, you know? Yeah, it's just the style of music, mm-hmm. really. So, yeah, I thought a lot, like there were some songs that had more of a conventional kind of approach to the song structure. It was kind of like an intro, verse, chorus, verse, mm-hmm. chorus, Yeah, break. I noticed that. Yeah, and they kept bringing back like really cool riffs, which they didn't do as much on their previous release, Metamorphic Nition. And I thought that was, it added like a really cool aspect to it just because, you know, sometimes people like that more conventional headbanging song structure mm-hmm. where it just keeps you know the flow going keep head banging yep you know it's more catchy that way i agree and yet it still wasn't like so catchy that it was like you're listening to pop music you know it's like, still pop. very pop pop, pop. yeah i got gotta get those peas in there <laughs> but yeah yeah um what what did you think of the musicianship overall i thought it was pretty great uh in the rhythm department uh it felt like the drummer like really stepped up his creativity and played pretty darn solid didn't sound like a lot of time editing went into that album like on the drum aspect of it 
Yeah. Uh, the guitars were good for the most part. I felt like they played maybe slightly sloppier than they have on their previous albums. Um, yeah, just a little bit more natural, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it did seem more natural. Yeah. Um, but I was a little disappointed at some points of the album. Ah. Well, uh, what did you uh, dislike about it exactly? Uh, well, especially like trimmy parts that they're both guitars are like trimming at the same time. You know, like drummers double kicks are going straight 30 second notes and you can tell if you listen to it on headphones like one guitarist is pretty much spot on and then the other guy's like lacking behind just a tad bit oh really i didn't notice that as much probably because i'm not a drummer so i don't really have an ear for those note durations as much as you might well as you obviously do as a drummer it just takes practice yeah yeah well hmm that's interesting i didn't really listen for like how tight you know they were picking those really fast trim picking parts but yeah the drummer was pretty much spot on with those 30 second like you know double bass patterns and everything like that yeah and nothing was like too obnoxiously fast where you know you could feasibly see a real drummer playing those parts you know yeah yeah like none of it like sounded like impossible like it was overly edited or anything like that and like kind of the same with the guitars you knew that there wasn't like too much studio magic going on Mm -hmm. which happens with like so many other bands today like especially in the tech death genre you know yeah yeah cheating everyone's cheating but at, at least they you know go out and try and play it live so studio magic or not like you know, at least they have the guts to go out and perform yeah. that kind of music. And I would love to see them. Yeah. Oh, Archaic? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, they don't really come to the area, the Green Bay area or Milwaukee or anything. Not unless we book them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, Sean also, like, does a lot of booking around here. Used to, and anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um. So... Do you think, like, maybe Archaic could maybe find a spot or show here? Well, do you think you could help promote that by any chance? Yeah, well, all you got to do is create one, you know? You just send an email out to the agency, say, hey, I want Archaic in this area, and then they find a way to schedule them on the routing correctly to allow them to come up here, and as long as we pay them, I mean, they'll show up. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be really cool to see him, you know, make a trip to the wisconsin state be awesome um were there any tracks that appealed to you vocally more so on the album uh mm, vocally no i thought vocals were pretty monotone yeah kind of cut and dry yeah you know cookie cutter uh, or not cookie cutter but cookie monster you know type like uh one tone pretty much through the whole thing there were some doubles that sounded pretty cool to me but like it was is nothing that like really stood out, you know. It didn't sound like he tried to push his voice to any limits, you know. Yeah, I agree. There was a lot of cool dual vocal parts. Like he did have a little bit more of a range, I noticed, as opposed to previous albums. But it was still like pretty much, you know, the lows, not too much in the highs. Mm-hmm. There were some parts that stuck out to me, and uh, there was that song. Um, I think it was called Flesh Walkers that mm-hmm. had uh, Trevor Strand and Ryan Knight from Black Dahlia Murder on that track. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I like yeah. that song. Yeah, that song was pretty sick. I, I thought Trevor really complimented the vocals in a great way. It just added more dynamic to it. 
So I, I, that track stuck out to me the most vocally just because, you know, they, they added Trevor in there, mm-hmm. which isn't a normal element to that band. Um, uh, what did you like best about the album? Mm, probably the few songs that like got real evil sounding, you know, yeah. like not too flashy, but more of like a, a feel, like a vibe that they were going for. You know, yeah, like that track "Lose at Dawn." You know, well, again with the A B A B verse chorus kind of structure, that's a good one for that. But that one riff, the like, I just I don't know. Yeah, I, I get really the shivers. And gritty. Yep, makes you want to make ugly faces. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the title track was really awesome. I I thought that was a good song for them to pick for, you know, the title track. It was a really good focal point for them. And uh, overall, did you find the album appealing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I listened to it probably three or four times now. Yeah, would you recommend it to, you know, our fellow listeners who are tuning in? I definitely would. Yeah, all right. So, Archaic, new album, Lucid Down. It is out now. Check it out. All right. So now I'm going to, you're in a band called Archives, Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, the writing process a little bit. Um, How does the writing process take place, essentially, for that band? Uh, Well, in that band, uh, most of the writing gets done by Nick Wires and Jason Bauer. Um, Well, the old stuff was written mostly by our vocalist, Austin. yeah, he composed most of it and then basically handed us all the sheet music and expected us to transpose it onto our respective instruments. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, I am not really that big of a part of the writing process. I'm just kind of the bass slave. <laughs> the yeah. bass slave. Yep, the bass slave. <laughs> the bass player who just tries to keep up with everybody else. Oh, okay. So, yeah, like you said, you play bass in the project. Um do you take more of a, let's see, as a bassist, do you try and, like, you know, interject your own opinion on how the bass parts should go? Uh, like, yeah, definitely. Because a lot of the parts that those guys write are, you know, guitar-oriented, and their scale is much smaller, and they're doing gaps like, you know, five yeah, or six hard frets to reach huge. some of those frets. Yeah, so I, I kind of take their parts that they write in a general aspect, and then I shape them a little bit to fit more of a bass player style yeah a little bit more realistic mm-hmm. you know actually possible <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so um when when archives writes do you guys use um software such as guitar pro or recording programs like cubase to record and bounce ideas off one another uh yeah uh, everything is pretty much written out in guitar pro um that's how we communicate a lot you know because we all me and alex the drummer live in green bay Nick lives in Appleton, and, and uh, Austin and Jason live in Oshkosh. So, I mean, we do get together, you know, quite frequently. Um, they come up to Green Bay to my place on Thursdays to practice, and then Tuesdays they go down to Oshkosh, uh, which I I don't go to the Tuesday ones, but yeah, yeah, uh, that's how we mainly communicate when we're not uh, jamming together. Guitar Pro. Yeah, that gap in uh, location probably makes things a little problematic. So yeah. it's. Yeah, Guitar Pro is definitely a really helpful tool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like like you know, I'm an avid user of Guitar Pro. Being oh, yeah. That I'm a guitarist and, you know, the band that we're in together, Erroneous, like we use that a lot. 
and you know it, it's a good tool to have to bounce ideas off one another and you know just write together yeah especially with you know like schedules clashing and you can't always make it to practice because people live far away and stuff like that so yeah yeah it's also a good tool to keep your uh, writing chops up to date you know theory and sheet music uh rhythm identification and all that you know yeah make sure that you know your technique is solid and make sure that you know you play cleanly mm-hmm. plus when you're writing out your stuff on guitar pro like it won't let you write a bar in a certain time yeah. signature unless and it's like rhythmically it. connect correct right so yeah it's a really helpful tool in that aspect so yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on to a, uh, we're gonna talk about drum techniques because you've been a drummer for like 15, a long time. Yeah, fifteen years now. Yeah, almost fi- sixteen. Oh really? Hmm. Well, what was the first kit that you ever played on? Uh, that I ever played on, or that you like owned, or did you always have the same kit? Uh, well, the first kit I ever played on was actually at Bayview Middle School in Howard. Uh, my parents planted a church called Heartland and, uh, we used to have service there and the janitor guy, his name was Don, uh, he was a drummer for the worship team. Um, mm-hmm. and we would always, uh, me and him would sneak into the band room cause he had the <laughs> keys to all the rooms and it was just a, a cheap old Ludwig. I think it was, I don't even remember, but you know, he, that was the first kid I ever played was at church, you know, trying to skip out of going to service and hang out <laughs> with the janitor in the band room instead, you know? <laughs> he would teach me a few things and that oh, was the fun janitor actually like neo to play these yeah oh he's a great drummer yep. oh wow yep hmm. um and then uh, uh fifth grade i got my first snare drum and beat on that for a good six months and then for christmas that year my parents were nice enough to buy me uh one of the lauren mapex kits uh pro m actually it's it's not lower end it's more of a mid-range uh quality kit um the pro m black five piece uh i just beat the crap out of that thing for <laughs> a couple of years till it got stolen out of my van actually Ooh, and um luckily the insurance uh basically bought me a whole new drum set the seriously th- yeah the thieves were stupid enough to only take um the big items like my bass drum and yeah, tom didn't and realize how expensive the symbols right were. there's a there's a bag of symbols that they easily could have just grabbed that was worth like two or three grand you know Ooh, you <laughs> lucked out there. My expensive pedals, they left those behind. They were probably just assuming bigger was better, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, but dang. now uh, that's the kit I play now. It's also a Pro-Am. Uh, it is, well, originally two, four, six, eight. It was an eight-piece. Um, I've got two snare drums, 10-inch uh, Mapex Steel uh, popcorn snare, 13-inch Black Panther Cherry Walnut, at 10, 12, 16, 18 for the toms and two 22 by 20 kick drums oh wow yeah so how long have you had the current set uh since i was 17 when my drums got stolen so uh eight years hmm yeah they still sound awesome yeah i mean mapex has been my go-to brand my entire life so yeah mapex makes some really quality kits for sure Okay, so uh, you have a very uh, syncopated and speedy approach to playing the double bass. Uh, what tips do you have to get tough double bass pedal sections up to speed? Mm, muscle through it. You know, start slow, 
play it a million times until you hurt until <laughs> your legs are just in pain it's the only way uh you're really going to do it feasibly um i choose not to trigger my drums and do the double strokes like a lot of death metal guys do these days because there's no actual you know power behind it yeah you know uh if you were to try to play a lot of these crazy fast parts acoustically i mean you just wouldn't hear the kick drum at all you know because these dudes just tap real lightly they can get the super insane speeds by double stroking and you know using triggers that with high sensitivity settings on them but yeah you know if you put a mic on that kick drum and tell them to play the same thing it's they're not gonna be able to do it yeah yeah that's a good point like uh people with triggers they do play very very fast parts because like the beaters are so close Mm -hmm. and everything and like the slightest tap registers you know sound full velocity kick sound yeah but yeah but if you like with your technique like doing it without that you just get so much more power and it really resonates when you play live too Mm -hmm. i've noticed like every time i've seen you play live or when i've played with you live um yeah the power is definitely there and it's it's awesome yeah adds the intensity of the show i feel you know yeah definitely it makes you feel it actually Mm -hmm. like just hits you in the chest it's awesome hell yeah but uh so going on from that um what drummers do you draw inspiration from uh man there there's so many good drummers out there i mean uh probably my favorite i mean this is gonna sound like fanboyish you know but of course thomas haig from Meshuga, you know well he is awesome yeah he is no denying that one man percussion army right there uh, but along um, getting out of the metal genre, um, Mike Mangini, uh, Dennis Chambers from Santana. Holy wow. He's an amazing drummer. Um, t- there's too many to actually count. Um, Rodney Holmes. He's a real good funk jazz guy. The, yeah, I've the, noticed you taking like a jazzy approach to your drumming yeah. like sometimes and incorporating that into the beats that you write, which is awesome. It's way different than what most drummers do in the genre. Yep. Those uh those Latin jazz dudes, those are the guys with the real chops. You know, they can play did anything because they're so well versed in everything. You know, they're like, Oh, you, you know, I think I'm just gonna do this and it's gonna be amazing and they just pull it off in an instant, you know. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, uh, were you a big fan of uh, Buddy Rich? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just went and saw last year at Summerfest, I saw the Buddy Rich big band without Buddy Rich in it, of course. But <laughs> yeah, the he's guy, not really around anymore. Yeah, but. he might be dead, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the The guy who replaced him was definitely a great drummer. I mean, he's no Buddy Rich because nobody can be Buddy Rich, but he came pretty damn close. Really? Yep. Those are some huge shoes to fill. Yeah. Like, wow. Yep even be like comparable to buddies just out of this world he's really something else i would like to see him uh, in this day and age playing tech death metal (laughs) (laughs) he could he could probably pull off some progressive stuff some prog death metal stuff for sure (laughs) bloody rich (laughs) bloody rich (laughs) hell yeah okay so um um, do you ever plan on becoming a session drummer for bands in need of one? And if so, uh, what are your plans in the future for making that a reality? Uh, yeah, actually, that is my ultimate goal. Uh, I don't want to be stuck with one band uh, my entire life. I mean, it would be nice to have a good, solid 
group of musicians that you know i'm constantly with you know but yeah that can be quite lucrative if it works out the right way but um my ultimate uh i'd say fantasy i guess is to play for whoever wants to hire me you know anybody in the world any genre any style you know any place anytime like just go and do it you know yeah. or, or yeah. Uh, yeah your playing is definitely getting versatile enough to where you could like most likely pull that off i'm still light years away from being able to do it all but I'm making the appropriate steps to to get to that point yeah going to india in uh the spring of uh 2016 to take tabla lessons for two weeks from a tab- really? tabla guru yeah that's awesome yep because yeah, uh tabla is pretty unorthodox yeah like. it's very weird their uh their sense of time over there in the that style of music is way warped and way different than you know western americanized uh one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a you know they yeah it's not that conventional just four four just right. standard pop beat you know they think of time as in sections of like nine and a third you know really? it's more of like a feel thing than an actual uh yeah you know and the thing about tabla too is that it has its own language like a spoken language that is specifically just for the drums uh which is really intriguing to me uh because it's almost like a relationship between your mind and your hands, you know, like they're two separate entities and you speak the tabla parts to your hands and then your hands are supposed to play them and, uh, and vice so versa. Weird. Yeah. That's really cool though. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Is there like uh certain time signatures that um, tabla like, you know, conforms to mm. primarily or is it all over the place kind of? It's really all over the place. I'm sure there's a lot more structure to it that I don't know yet that I'm going to learn while I'm over there. But I mean, everything that I've uh, experienced so far about Tabla is just uh, it's mind blowingly different than everything that I've learned so far in this Western kind of music, you know? Yeah. Like, who are you looking for, like, for tabla lessons over there? Uh, there's a man called uh, Vibhav Borwankar. Uh, he is a tabla guru in New Delhi. Uh, he's been giving lessons for over 15 years. I've been uh, Skyping him lately, just mm. talking about uh, what I need to do to prepare to go out there. And, uh, there's uh, one of my favorite groups to listen to right now called India Lucha. It's one guy from Spain who plays flamenco guitar and then two guys from India, one on sitar and one on tabla. And they blend Indian roots with Spanish flamenco roots. And the music that comes out of it is just out of this world. Yeah, yeah it's, it's way different than anything I've ever heard. Huh, I'll have to check that out. It sounds crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so... Uh, what are some tips you have for playing fast drum fills, like the ones that you play frequently in like metal music, or even for like the unorthodox styles that you go for, like with jazz? Uh, know where your beat one is. You know, if you're if you're f- completing a phrase with an intense drum fill, you need to know exactly how many notes you're playing and what amount of space that you have to fill those notes in yeah. to be able to end on beat one like indefinitely you know or i mean if it's an unorthodox type fill and you you come in past one and then accent on two you got to realize that you're on two even though it feels like you know the first beat you know you still have to remember that you're on two or three or whatever beat you want to land on you have to actually know how to get there you know with the rhythms that you're trying to 
you know, uh, execute, I guess. Yeah, it's got to be kind of hard to account for considering, like, how many notes are going into, like, each fill. It's yeah. got to be, like, just mind-numbing. Yeah. Well, you break it down into the the basic rhythm of it, you know, if you got... Just fundamentally. You know, yeah. yeah. For example, you know, you got one and a two and a three and a four and a in there, you know, like you're alternating right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, you know, one E and a uh, right, left, right, left. If you cut it in half and just do the rights, you know, one and two and, and then fill it in with the left one E and a uh, two E and a, uh, um, it, it can really help, uh, identifying, um, the structure of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really good tip for sure. Um, uh, finally, do you have any tips for aspiring drummers out there? Uh, practice. <laughs> no <laughs> matter what it is, yeah, just get the practice time <laughs> in. And I'm very guilty of not doing that, um, unfortunately. But I try to do as much as I can. And, uh, you know, that's really just the most important part. Because if you don't do, then you don't. Yeah. I mean, sometimes with practice time, you know, life catches up with you. And, you know, you can't practice as much as you'd, you know, prefer. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's always definitely to keep getting that practice in when you can. And when you do do it, focus on the important things you need to improve on rather than, you know, stuff you're just comfortable with. It's yeah. always good to go outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Like, that's speaking, like, me as a guitar player, but I feel like it applies equally to, like, drumming, too. Yeah, any instrument, really. Don't, yeah. Don't uh, forget about fundamentals, either. Really, really important. You know, spend five or ten minutes just doing one, two, three, four with a metronome. You know, it might be slow and monotonous, but if you can really lock that in, I mean, your whole structure of playing will be so much cleaner. Yeah, definitely. All right, so this concludes today's Progmania podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and don't forget to tune in next week at progmania.com for another exciting podcast that will feature yet another <laughs> local artist and album review. Stay classy, Green Bay. Fuck.